All right, I have to admit something to you. I am always concerned about coming across too high energy and obnoxious like a stereotypical American, so I am going to try something a bit differently and see how it goes over. Let me know what you think of this. Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome back to Podcastage. Today I'm back with a review of a brand new audio interface from Lewitt, the Connect 6. Yay. If you are interested... If you are... If you... <laughs> If you are interested, <laughs> I can't do it. This is so stupid. If you are interested in this audio interface, it will cost you around $300. Like always, affiliate links in the description down below. And in the sake of full disclosure, I do need to let you know, Lewitt sent me this audio interface free of charge for the sake of making this review, but they get no editorial input on this. Everything in here is my own opinion. And finally, for this review, I am running the Lewitt LCT440 directly into the interface. My gain is set at 15, recording 48 kilohertz, 24-bit, no post-processing, but I may have to boost it a little bit in post, so check the doobly-doo to see what I diddly did. And now to wrap up the Halloween season, let's talk about what comes in the box. Of course you are going to get the audio interface. You will get two cables, a 1.5 meter USB-C to USB-C cable, and a 1.5 meter USB-C to USB-A cable, a little bit of documentation, and some stickers. I love them. They are the best. Then as far as the build quality, I wouldn't say that it's an amazing feeling interface because I have come to expect more of a metal chassis which gives it a more durable feel. This is an all plastic build which leaves a little bit to be desired, but at least it doesn't feel god awful. It doesn't feel as though it's going to fall apart. As I mentioned, the entire body is made out of plastic. The XLR port feels really sturdy with no movement to it. The 3.5 millimeter and quarter inch connections all feel nice and sturdy with very minimal movement. The dial on the top does have a bit of wobble to it, which isn't the best. And in case this does matter to you, this device is made in China. Next, we are going to walk through all the ins and outs of the physical device. On the front of the device, you have two headphone ports, the first one being 3.5 millimeters, the second being quarter inch, and you can run both of these headphone ports simultaneously, and you can even route different mixes to each of the outputs. On the top of the device, you will find five lights to indicate what you're adjusting with the knob, whether it be input one, input two, headphone one, headphone two, or speakers. There is a 48 volts indicator light to let you know if the channel you are currently adjusting has phantom power engaged. You then have a very granular meter, but there is no scale on it. And finally, you have a big encoder knob which rotates and you can press it to change between what you're adjusting. Then on the rear of the device, you have a USB-C port to connect this to your computer, a USB-C power port in case the device you're connected to does not provide sufficient power, you have a 3.5 millimeter aux input port, you have a USB-C phone port to connect this to a mobile device, you have a 3.5 millimeter stereo output to run to a set of desktop speakers, a set of quarter inch stereo outputs to run to studio monitors, and two XLR quarter inch combination jacks that accept mic or line level, but they do not have a high Z instrument input. 
Next, as far as the specs, this interface records 24-bit up to 96 kilohertz or 2448 for mobile devices. The preamps have an EIN of negative 133 dBV A-weighted. This is not to be confused with DBU. It has a max gain of 72 dB, 48 volts of phantom power. And just in case you want to dive a little bit deeper, here are all the other specs that are available. You can pause the video and read them if you so desire. Then when it comes to the headphone output, my daily drivers are the Sennheiser HD650s, and I found the headphone amp perfectly capable of driving these headphones to very reasonable listening levels. If you want a really in-depth analysis of both of the headphone outputs though, go check out Julian Krause's video because he does that like nobody else can. Frequency responses, impedance measure, all of that stuff. Go check out his video if you want that information. Now, like I always do, in order to really test the preamps, I have the Shure SM7B connected directly to the Connect 6. My gain is set at 45 dB. None of the processing is engaged, and I am hitting between negative 12 and negative 9 dB, and I am about 3 inches off of the mic. I will shut up so you can hear the noise floor at this gain setting. Okay, now I am doing a worst case scenario in case you want to actually whisper while using the Shure SM7B. I increased my gain to 60 dB and I am still about 3 inches away. And here is how this sounds. I will be quiet so you can hear the noise floor. I absolutely hate this. But now I want to dive a little bit deeper and include a real world comparison. So currently I have the 7B running into the 18i 22nd gen. My gain is set at 100% and I am peaking around negative 9 dB. And now the 7B is running directly into the Connect 6. My gain is set at 44 dB. And again, we're peaking around negative 9 to negative 12 dB. I level matched them as close as I could in the analog realm, but I will verify and post that the levels are accurate. I am going to do the same thing now and replace the microphone with a 150 ohm resistor so we can see what the noise floor is of the Connect 6. Now I am going to connect a 150 ohm resistor to the audio interface and slowly increase the gain so we can see what kind of noise is generated by these preamps. Now here is a quick sample running a microphone through an outboard preamp and then running line level into the Connect 6. My gain on the 73 is set at 35 dB. My output dial is set at zero so we are not attenuating 
and in the analog realm, our meter is reading zero. But then when we look at our digital meters, we are also hitting zero. So if you wanted to really drive an outboard preamp, this interface is going to struggle with that unless you do have the output control on your interface. So let me go ahead and crank up the gain on the 73 and then drop the output level. Now I have increased the gain on the 73 EQ to 55 dB and you can hear we are clipping to heck. So I will roll back the output so we are getting a healthy level and we are not clipping the A to D converters. And now I am at about 33% on the output dial. And if I get loud, we get a little bit of coloration and saturation from the outboard pre, but we don't clip the converters. That is all well and good, but I want to provide a comparison of the line input from the Lewitt Connect 6 to the line input of an older Focusrite 18i 22nd gen. So I am still running the 1973 through the warm audio WA73, gain set at 40 dB now, so we're driving the preamp a little bit harder, then running into the Connect 6, and we are clipping, we are distorting the A to D converters, we are peaking at 0 dB FS, and that is unrecoverable. But now I have switched over to the focus right and I am still running plus 4 dBU line level and on my meters, if I get loud, we can peak up at around negative 3 dB, but for the majority of this recording, I am around negative 12 dB. So we have significantly more headroom for a line level input on something like the focus right as compared to the Connect 6. I just wanted to provide a real-world demonstration of how that can affect your recordings and how you're going to have to address it with your gain staging on your outboard gear. Now, as far as latency with a sample rate at 48 kilohertz and the I.O. buffer at 64 samples, we have a 4.5 millisecond output latency. At 128 samples, we have 5.7 milliseconds output. And at 256 samples, we have 8.5 milliseconds output latency. And then with the sample rate maxed out at 96K with the I.O. buffer at 64 samples, we have 3.7 milliseconds output latency. At 128 samples, 4.3 milliseconds output latency. And at 256 samples, 5.7 milliseconds output. Now I am going to plug my electric guitar directly into the quarter inch input to illustrate why I don't recommend doing that and then provide audio running my guitar through an external DI box and then into the interface so you can hear how that would sound.
Next, I want to demonstrate the USB-C mobile output on the Connect 6, so I am using a Lewitt USB-C to lightning cable. I am connected to my iPhone 10, recording in some third-party audio recording software to demonstrate that you are sending your microphone's audio to the iPhone. Two more things that I want to mention about the mobile connection. When you are connected to the Connect 6 with your phone, it does charge your phone. And secondly, I am not sure about Android devices because I don't use them, but on iOS devices, it is incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to overwrite the system-wide audio settings, so you are not able to use this connection to pipe in a microphone to a phone call or for any of the default Apple software. Actually, it does work with the Apple Music app, so if you are piping in music, that would work or if you have a SoundPad app, that would work. But as far as capturing audio to the iPhone while simultaneously recording it on your computer or piping in a guest from your phone, you're going to need to be very selective about the app that you pick because it's not going to be compatible with all of them. Next, I wanted to demonstrate a secondary use for the 3.5 millimeter line output on this thing. It is clearly for 3.5 millimeter desktop speakers, but if you are somebody who wants to have a backup recording, I know a lot of podcasters like to do that. You could run 3.5 mil to 3.5 mil to an external recorder and just have a backup of everything going on in case your computer crashes. And that is the audio you are listening to right now, running out of the line input into the Zoom H1n. My level is set at 15 on this thing, and there you go. Just a secondary use for that output. And just for completionism, I have one more demo for you. I now have a 3.5 millimeter to 3.5 millimeter cable running into the aux input of the Connect 6. This allows me to play music off of this device or any device that does not have a digital connection. I will just play some music. It shows up, you hear it. Recording, you can adjust the level works as you would expect. Now right here, I am not going to do a full software walkthrough because that would make this video far too long. So what I've done is created that separately and uploaded that to Podcastage 2 in case you want that full walkthrough of every single feature. I will link that in the upper corner or the description in case you want to dive a little bit deeper. But right now, I am just going to do a brief walkthrough of the DSP processing that's available to us in this software. First up, we have a static high pass filter. I am not the biggest fan of these because I like to have more granularity, more control of exactly where I'm high passing. But in case you want to use all four bands of the EQ or have a high pass filter prior to your compressor, you can do that here. Then you have a nice mute button, which is not DSP processing, but here's a sample. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, 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 and you can hear that it does fade in and out so it doesn't have any obnoxious clicks when you're engaging or disengaging. Then we get to the bread and butter of this interface and that would be the expander, the compressor, and the EQ. We'll start with the expander. This just attenuates your signal once the level gets below a certain threshold. This GUI graphic user interface, is that what it stands for? I don't know, <laughs> is incredibly useful. 
You can see the entire time that I am talking, I am far above the threshold, which is this white line. If my noise floor was incredibly high, I could do this, and you would start to hear it cut into my voice. That is not ideal. This is a great graphic representation of it because it allows you to be quiet. And you can see where your noise floor is and set, set your threshold just above that and then adjust the ratio, the attack release, or the max gain reduction, which is my favorite feature of an expander because a lot of gates, when they close, people attenuate the signal by infinity, and then you just have dead silence, followed by when they start speaking, the computer fan comes back in, all of the background noise comes back in. Having that max reduction keeps a little bit of that underlying noise there so when you start speaking again it doesn't sound unnatural that's why i prefer expanders over gates and that is a great implementation that is incredibly intuitive but let's jump to the next plugin which you are already hearing which is a compressor while i am talking you can see the waves of my voice and the level that i am hitting the white line on the graphic is going to indicate the threshold of the compressor and at the very top of the screen you can see how much our signal is being attenuated if i were to get really loud you could see that i go very far above this white line threshold and the orange or is that red i don't know i'm colorblind that got very aggressive and dropped down very far if you do want the typical graphics the typical meters that you're used to you have that on the right i can tell you the graphics do not look this jittery normally this is because my computer is old and cannot handle screen capturing just so you know it is more fluid the controls you have are threshold ratio attack release and makeup gain all the standard accoutrement of compressors very useful very intuitive again we will go ahead and shut that off and jump to the last bit of dsp processing and that would be an equalizer the first thing i always do is have a high pass filter set at around 60 hertz that's what i enjoy but you have four bands on this thing and you are not tied in to specific frequencies you are able to move them wherever you want you have different cues through the different settings here you can do low cut low shelf peak notch high shelf or high cut so if you were a crazy person you could do an eq like this and just everybody would hate you this <laughs> this is too much you have the meter you have the in out so you could see if you're getting really aggressive with the EQ and you end up going up to 0 dBFS, you could roll back the gain. Or if you do a lot of cutting, you can add the... I'm going to turn this off. This is too much. <laughs> if you cut too much gain, you can go ahead and bring up the level so you keep a consistent volume pre and post EQ. Again, a very useful implementation that isn't tied down by set frequencies, by set cues, by any of that. This is one of the more useful EQs that I've seen at this price range. All right, now I have the expander, compressor, and EQ engaged. They are set as you saw. The EQ only has the 60 hertz high pass filter. The last thing that you have is a master bus maximizer which is essentially a master bus 
limiter. The way this would work is you just gradually increase the maximizer and it makes it louder. But if you get too loud, it goes ahead and attenuates that. One thing to note here, you can quickly toggle it on and off by clicking on maximizer. If you're talking while you do that, you have a little bit of a click. And another thing to note here, it is going to make the noise floor significantly worse because you are just increasing the level. It's like having a fader on a mixer and just pushing it all the way up. Not going to be the best for the noise floor, but if you are trying to meet a certain loudness, this allows you to do that without ending up actually clipping. You're probably not going to be going as high as I was. I was being aggressive to illustrate what it can do. And that is it for the DSP processing walkthrough. I'm going to shut that off. If you want a full walkthrough of everything else in the software, again, link in the upper corner or check the description. There will be a link there for you to check that out. All right. I am excited because the $300 price point for audio interfaces is just bonkers now. You have this crazy functional audio interface from Lewitt, you have the UA Volt 276, the SSL2+, the Vocaster 2 if you want a different flavor, the Audient ID14. It's amazing. And this audio interface is a great addition to the market because it does something that the other interfaces don't do. And first up, as far as pros, has to be the preamps. You have 72 decibels of gain. You can drive any microphone. Bottom line, you will not have an issue not having sufficient gain. That is amazing. Secondly, the DSP processing, just a perfect selection for voiceover, for podcasting, for voice calls, for Discord, for conference calls. All of that, absolutely perfect selection. Expander, excellent. Compressor, excellent. EQ, outstanding. And then the maximizer, it's just exactly what you want for those applications. Then we have the IO on this thing, two headphone ports, awesome. But the main thing that I like is that second USB audio interface functionality with the mobile output or input that allows you to send audio to your phone and capture audio from your phone. You could run this to a secondary computer, a streaming computer. Really a helpful fe helpful feature to have. Why did I say that weird? Really helpful to have. And finally, we have the control center software. And I do think it might be a bit overwhelming for beginners, but once they get the hang of it, this is some powerful software because it allows you to create multiple mixes and route those mixes to any of the outputs. That is just ideal, super powerful, and incredibly useful. But then we get to the cons, and the main one for me is the lack of a Hi-Z input. As a guitarist, I love plugging direct into an interface, capturing that raw signal, and then using an amp sim to find the exact sound that I want. With this interface's inputs, you can't do that. It sounds as though the audio has been low-passed. You would need to buy an outboard DI box to overcome that issue, and that's a big oversight for somebody like me. Secondly, I am not the biggest fan of the lack of headroom for the line inputs. It was difficult to really get that coloration from the outboard pre, especially if you don't have any kind of output control. I would like a bit more headroom like we had on the focus, right? And then lastly, this is more of a wish list item. I would love to have some form of physical mute capability because I don't always have the app up and in the front of my screen. 
being able to reach over and just tap a button to mute the microphone would be invaluable for voice calls or anything. And to wrap up, would I recommend the Lewitt Connect 6, both yes and no, and we'll first start with the yes. If you're someone who does a lot of live streaming, podcasting, voice chatting, or conference calling, and you want to burn in all the processing to simplify the process, I think that's who this is for, and I think that's who is really going to love this, because it makes that entire process so simple. On top of that, it should work with pretty much every microphone out there from the SM7B to the LCT440. There shouldn't really be any issues. But then we get to the no. If you're buying this interface expecting to be able to plug your instrument directly into it, no, I would not recommend it because as I've pointed out multiple times, that makes it sound like your instrument has been low passed and it has no high-end information. So if that is you and you do plan on buying this to plug a high impedance input directly into this thing, no, I would not recommend it. If you want all of the functionality and you already have outboard DI boxes, this does resolve the issue and then I suppose I would recommend it. But if you do want this interface and you don't already have those outboard DI boxes, that is just another cost to keep in mind because for a good DI box, it can be quite expensive. I think the radial engineering is $100 to $200. The Rupert needs designs one is 200 to 300 dollars and at that price now you're competing with higher end apogee and higher end universal audio stuff but if the functionality of the lewitt connect 6 does everything that you need and the only holdup is the di box then i suppose i would recommend it if your budget allows for it it's just a little bit of a kick in the pants and something to keep in mind when you're considering this thing all right, that is it. I am not going to ramble on. If you found this video fun, interesting, or helpful, go ahead and give me a thumbs up. Hated it, big ol' thumbs down. Check out the video right beneath me. I bet you are going to love it. Greatest video ever made, am I right? These people are amazing. Can you believe it? They support the channel at $5 or higher, and you can do that too. I will talk to you in a week or so. I love you so much. You are the greatest. Talk to you in a week. Bye-bye. Whoa, whoa, boop.